Blog Talk Radio. Steve, it's it's supposed to be playing. It tells me it's playing, but I don't hear anything. Mm. Let me try one more Man. time. It's, yeah, it, it sounds actually, like that crowd in Glasgow last night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he shoots, he scores. All right. <laughs> is happening tonight. You know what that means? What does that mean? That means the NFL and the WWE um, have lost one of their big, huge excuses on why their ratings are in the tank. Um, I think that's been my favorite theory on why things are not going well, is they're blaming it on the election. Is there any way that that's possibly true? Well, I guess it's possibly true, but I really think, um, you know, if we could just, since let's start on this for a second, you know, with the football ratings yeah. down, the uh, wrestling ratings down, uh, NASCAR, the same kind of problems. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, I really do think it's just a different way that people access uh, media now and, and, and sports now. It's just, it's just a changing world. And I don't know that there's anything any of these sports can do to stem the tide. Uh, it, yeah. As far as the ratings go, it's just it's just a, a, a change in the way of the world. Um, I think that's I think that's you, a big part of it, and um, I I also think that when you look at the, like this election is an opportunity actually. It's an opportunity that I mean you know there's so much about it that's been negative. If you're the light, if you're the light, you get that you get that runoff, and I, I think. Football is not fun. Um, I, I mean, with just rash of penalties, the game is the game is far less entertaining to watch. Then you have all the residual stuff about, you know, all the problems that they had, domestic abuse, deflate gate and all this stuff. I think it just sort of adds up to a big ball of not fun. And a lot of people just choose to watch something else that's clearly happened in wrestling. And I would venture to say that it's happened in NASCAR as well. Um, but man, election, I got to say, I, this is cr- going to sound insane. I love elections. I love going to vote. Um, it's, it's the only time I get to see such a diverse, like sort of demographic in my home, in my town in the same place at the same time, like all ages, all creeds, not that I know what creed means, if I'm being honest, but like all different kinds of people and everybody's there to kind of do the same thing. And there's not an, there wasn't an air of tension or any of that. Um, It was just kind of, in fact, it was kind of exciting. Like everybody was there to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I also think that that's something else that uh, wrestling is missing a little bit. Um, I, I came up with a brilliant an unintentionally brilliant phrase to describe wrestling today. Do you want to hear it, Larry? Yeah, please. Um, what I'd said was um, a big part of the problem with wrestling is it's become exactly what the boys wanted it to be. 
in every way, shape, or form. And now we're seeing what that looks like. We see what wrestling <laughs> looks like when it's what the boys want. And what we found out is what the boys want and what a casual fan wants are two totally different things. Um, yeah. And uh, we have, by the way, our guest today, I'm very excited about this, uh, Bobby Hayes. Now, there might not be people who are familiar with Bobby Hayes, um, but Larry, do you want to give a little bit of background on Bobby? Because I was just, I, I mean, I know Bobby Hayes. I know of him anyway, and I looked him up. He's been doing this damn thing since 1991 on a yeah, very prominent years. level. And, you know, has wrestled matches in the WW, well, at that time, WWF, has wrestled matches in WCW. Um, you know, I'm very interested to hear about his early days in wrestling and in, in all of that, because I, I don't know much about it either. That that part of, uh, I, I first encountered Bobby when he came into uh, NWA Wildside and was doing some crazy-ass matches. I remember, I think, early on with uh, Iceberg was one of his opponents, and he, would, he was doing a lot of hardcore stuff at that point when he came into Wildside. So I don't know a lot about Bobby's early years, and I'm anxious to hear about that tonight. Um, but just that, to, just to go mm-hmm. back to the election thing for a second, just to contrast and compare, you, you know, you saw people from uh, the cross-section. I had just the opposite. My, my polling place, place was deserted. It was like a ghost town over there. There was like just a handful of people in the whole in the whole place. I got there super. I got there. I had to be one of the first people in, um, so that way I could vote. And then I was passing out stuff for the magazine. We had this sort of fake fake campaign running for our mascot. Um, so I passed out literature <laughs> at two different polling places in Winter Garden, the town where the magazine is. So I really got to see different things. And, and um, one of them was interesting because they had it split, I guess, at this polling place. They had two different districts or whatnot. And every it was a nice mix at this one place in Winter Garden until they split them by district in different parts of the um, – like auditorium to vote. And then you clearly saw like, Oh, in this part of the town, <laughs> this, this crowd lives. And in this part of the town, this crowd lives. That was a really telling thing. I mean, you, you could just see it um, literally in black and white of how that part of town split up. I thought that was really interesting, but you said it was just, yeah, it, it wasn't all that busy. Um, and every, most of the people out voting in Winter Garden, anyway, were older, definitely older people. Um, I know Florida had a really, really high rate of early voter turnout. So. Yeah, and, and that's what I assumed it was here, too, that a lot of people just did the early voting and didn't come out to the polling place. Because, um, yeah, there was just, like like I say, like hardly anybody there. I mean, it was very pleasant. It was very easy, but there was just, like, nobody there. Remember when the WWF slash E was very involved in the political process, like smack down the vote, and they'd always have the they'd always have the candidates come and cut a horrible. I mean, some of the worst promos so bad that they were almost going to put them in the women's division, like just so (laughs) so nakedly awful. But none of that. This, I mean, Trump. And Clinton, I can't believe for a second that they wouldn't do it if invited unless they thought that wrestling is of such little consequence that they don't need to get those guys. I can't believe it didn't happen at all. That's crazy. To oh, me. I, I thought for sure we'd get somebody dressed up as a Trump and somebody dressed up as a Clinton sometime during this campaign season. But the only thing I saw was just some encouragement for people to get out and vote on WWE TV. I didn't see anything else of a political nature. Did you? No. Um, You know, in fact, I think uh, whichever whichever candidate wins, we need to find someone who does a horrible impersonation of the winner. And they need to cut. I'm calling it right now. The next tipping point, we're going to have a promo from the winning presidential candidate. I, I, you know, I don't think, of course, Trump has much chance of winning. But, you know, you know, uh, Linda put gave five million dollars to Trump's campaign and. I mean, that should really? be good for an ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Linda, Linda yeah. Got five, five, five million, which should be good for the ambassadorship, I would think. Well, hell, but, of, hell uh, of a lot cheaper than running unsuccessfully for the Senate <laughs> twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
where 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 should Linda McMahon and I'm going to pose this question to Bobby Hayes if Linda McMahon <laughs> gets to be an ambassador where should she be an ambassador to Ooh hmm. uh, hmm. Ireland Ireland that's nice Havelock North Carolina Great, great Whoa. stuff. Did you, um, Larry, you went to a couple, it sounds like a couple of really good shows. Um, AWN had their war games and, uh, and Peach State. Sounds like they really knocked it out of the park with a great show. Yes, it was my first time down to, uh, well, of course, this was not in Fort Valley. This was in Byron, but it was the first time, my, for my first time to AWN. And I thought they put on a good show, absolutely. And, um, there are uh, rumors swirling. I, apparently, Dan Masters was not completely uh, delusional on our last show in the sense of um, there very well could be an ownership change coming at mm. AWN. Um, I won't say any more than that. There, I think will be you know the, the details will be forthcoming in the next few weeks about how that's going to play out. But I, I think that uh, he was on to something when he was talking about uh, new ownership. Yeah, wow, you think but Ben yeah. Masters is going to steal it? <laughs> I do think Ben Masters is going to be involved. <laughs> well, um, so tell me about um, your your like what are what were the really standout things of that AWN show? Because you really seemed to enjoy it, and I know it was the first time you had been there. You were probably well, kind of half expecting it wouldn't be all that great, maybe, but sounds like it was great. Yeah, I mean, so I was expecting good because I, when I looked at the card, I said, wow, they've got a lot of talent on this show. This isn't like what I remember of AWN years past where I didn't want to go because when I looked at the card, I said, well, I don't really – these aren't guys that really appeal to me to drive and you know an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, whatever, to see. But that was the, the most uh, pleasing thing to me was up and down the card. There's the general level of talent and match quality was better than – Certainly better than what AWM would have been offering a number of years ago, and was 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 quite good, and and you know very well constructed, well put together show, well thought out. Um, you know, it didn't knock my socks off. It wasn't like you know the greatest show on earth, but it was real good. Now, on the other hand, did just knock me out. I mean, I thought that was just an incredibly good show. Um, you know, you said about you know wrestling being what the boys want. Well, this is what the fans want. This show yeah. is designed for the fans and designed for, in, a, in an old school way, for the fans. And, of course, it works great in West Georgia. I mean, they had those people eating out of their hands. That Rick Michaels promo, I mean, those people just went crazy for that promo. And it wasn't the words. It was knowing the right words, the right things to say for the audience he was playing to. Um, and uh, I didn't talk about this much in the report, but Bill Barron's is just uh, – <laughs> he's just he's just too much man in this role i just love him in this this uh whatever he is now since he's been exposed and is not a georgia uh, advisor to the georgia athletic commission whatever kind of evil person he is he's doing a great job at it there's a you know i i find it interesting and you know people might might stab me for saying this but there are like sort of contenders for categories because i mean we're coming on these year-end awards sooner rather than later and uh, i mean jeff g who is the perennial manager of the year and certainly had a phenomenal year i mean gunner miller will attest to that but uh i mean it's it's jeff against bill is it not is that is that too bold to say i don't think so I don't know. I, I don't know anybody else who's even. I, I don't think it's a three-horse race. I think it's. I think it's Jeff and Bill. And there's so much about that that is wonderful to me. <laughs> that yeah. it's those two guys. I mean, you know, anarchy ends. Bill's not there. <clears throat> Jeff's uh, why we wrestle, obviously. But you know, I, I just think that that's awesome. I think it's awesome. Um, uh, and again, this is this is a point of debate. This is something we can talk about real quick before Bobby comes on. I, you know, you got to see sort of Carpenter slash Oscar Worthy like doing his thing, and I I just go that guy is up for I mean for male performer, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about what he does. And, you know, the knock against him last time, which is, I think, a fair assessment, is he's he's just a PCW guy, but no longer, right? He's at Y right. Wrestle. He's he's anchored that AWN. That picture of him getting thrown by Odinson. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. I mean, was that as crazy as it looked in that picture? <laughs> It was. It was. He sent. He he really took a, took went flying there. I mean, it was. Uh, he launched him. Um, <laughs> it was, it, yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I've seen you know a few of uh, F10s by Odinson, and uh, there may I can only think of one that was in the category of the, of, of the one worthy took. Boy, he he yeah he he really went all out on that. Absolutely. And him and him and Bill the Butcher are feuding in uh, at PCW, and apparently. Busted a bottle over uh, Bill's head, and Bill bled all over the place, and the crowd absolutely lost their minds. So they're like one of the two hot feuds going on right now, PCW. So, I mean, between Jeff actually having a contender to the throne, um, you know, some new faces in uh, Male Performer of the Year, and, I mean, uh, Jimmy Rave, you sort of mentioned this in the Peach State Report, um, Jimmy Rave has had a good year. There's no way around it, but it's certainly not the year that he had last year, which was untouchably great. I I would imagine that Jimmy won Wrestler of the Year um, by by the widest margin ever. He just mm-hmm. had like a runaway great year last year, and this year, really, there's guys that you can see beating him um, this year. Would you say that that's oh, yeah. true? Yeah, I, I I don't think that's an overstatement at all. I mean, I think he's had a good year, but I don't think he's wrestler of the year this year. No, I don't. So, I mean, that's, you know, all that stuff, of course, will get going in December, but it's going to be very contentious this year. And And usually there's at least a couple of categories where I'm like, I don't even know who should win it. You know, a few times it's been wrestler of the year where it's been kind of up in the air, but not in the good way of like, oh, there's three guys who had these amazing years. But it was just like, I don't know, who should it be? But like most improved, I can think of about seven guys who could be up for most improved and women for that matter. And, um, you know, woman of the year. I mean, woman of the year has always been basically a one or two woman race. This year, gosh, I mean, you and I could probably go round and round with like four or five or even six names that you well, argue yeah, should be just, there for Woman of the Year. I'll just throw one out there that most people wouldn't probably even put in there. I, when we were I, back uh, in backstage at the uh, AWN show, some of us were mm-hmm. watching her her match from Shine live against that uh, Chelsea Diamond, and I was like pretty shocked about i mean i know priscilla's improved a lot in the ring but she's really improved a lot in the ring yes um, you know uh really really remarkably so so um yeah i agree with you. i mean i mean between priscilla kira hogan uh i think you can argue pandora has sort of got the got the pepper back um clearly dementia de rose has had sort of a, a like a, a star turn kind of year and so I mean, it's exciting. I can't wait. Uh, unlike tonight, I really can't wait for the votes to be cast um, for all of the Georgia Wrestling History <laughs> Awards. I think um, there's going to be a lot of healthy, great debate. I, I also feel like this year people are going to be above ballot stuffing, you know, like mm-hmm. tr- any kind of attempt to – because, I mean, I think Peach State's had a great year. And I think Peach State will win a bunch of awards, and deservedly so, or guys associated strongly with Peach State will win awards. But I don't think we're going to have a thing like the year that it was the year of Rampage, if you remember that. Right. Rampage literally won everything. And it was to the point where, I mean, you had to roll your eyes a little bit, where it was like, I mean, uh, two words, Charlie Cash, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and this year, I mean, I feel like people are have really gotten to see everybody. Like, guys have gotten around. You know, the backbone have wrestled in a number of different places around the state. Um, guys have just wrestled all over the place. And... I don't know. Just it's going to make for very, very exciting voting, uh, very exciting time, and uh, I can't wait for it. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, we didn't we really did not have that sort of ballot stuffing thing at all uh last year. I thought the voting was very, you know, and according to what Brian said, that's not what he who handles the uh, the counting and stuff. He didn't encounter that yep. last year, so and I don't think we will this year either. But we at this point yes. we are being going to be joined by our special guest, longtime Georgia veteran uh, and somebody I've been really interested in talking to for quite some time. Welcome to the Tipping Point, Bobby Hayes. Hello. Hey, Hello. Bobby. How are you doing? Yeah, I thought I lost you there for a second. I'm good. How are y'all? Good. Good, man. Good. Uh, this is Steve. I'm, I'm just going to jump right into a question because um, I know Larry has a number of questions about your time at NWA Wildside and, and about that. Um, I, I was just looking at pictures of you, no homo. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's such a great sort of throw. I hope you don't take this as an insult because it's quite the opposite. There's sort of a great throwback look to you. Like there was this shot of just your forehead. And I mean, oh, I had flashbacks to the, the wrestling that I grew up and loved so much, where it was just these kind of tough, hard scrabble guys, like doing this thing right. And uh, I, what is your what is your general take on wrestling? Uh, you know, we talk to a lot of people, and some guys are really bitter about wrestling, and some guys are, I, I don't know, feel any kind of way about it. You've been doing this since 1991. When you when you look at wrestling now, what what is your take on what's going on right now? Um, it's it's good. Um, you gotta you gotta think back. If I started in '91, that means you know I grew up watching wrestling in the '80s, and uh, you know I'm, I'm a I'm a mark by heart. So if I could. Yeah. I would much rather wrestling be the way that it was when I was a kid and the way, you know, the the business that I fell in love with, you know, growing up watching wrestling. And like you said, with the guys with the scarred up foreheads and the, the, um, you know, just the, the rough, hard hitting, just all out brawling, like I always call it the old Southern wrestling. And, uh, I mean, if it was up to me, that's that's the way I would want it to be back through today. But I know uh, times change, and um, the wrestling that I grew up watching was a lot different from the wrestling in the 70s and the 60s and so on. So it just uh, constantly involves, but uh, sometimes some of us old heads, we just don't want to uh, uh, involve, uh, revolve with it, you know. Bobby, what wrestling did you grow up watching? Um. When I was, I, I started watching wrestling when I was nine. And uh, at the time, the place that I lived and the kids that I was growing up around, they was everything was WWF. And um, so it was that whole era with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, Jake Snake, and all that. And I just uh, just fell in love with it. And uh, you know, as time went on, I got into the NWA with uh, you know, the Four Horsemen and the Rock and Roll Express and Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express and that whole era. And that's, uh, that's really just uh, just made my love for the business grow that much more, you know. Could, could you tell us some about what it was like breaking in in 91 and your early experiences in wrestling and just fill us in on, on that? Yeah, sure. 91... I've always told people that you know when I got into the when I got into the business, uh, I was trained very old school by Mike Golden, and uh, I was trained with all the old school ways, and I was um, I was fortunate enough to get to learn from all the old school guys. But at the same time, the the the, the, the term old school wrestling, I guess that style was dying, and you had this new style of wrestling coming in, and. Um, so I was trained very old school while at the same time kind of breaking into a new way of uh, of uh, things being done, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you famously, you teamed with David Young, who we've had on before, and he's such a fucking character. Um, you teamed with him as the Tennessee Bad Boys. What... Uh, what was that like um, to be part of a team with a guy who I kind of see is similar to you in that, like you guys, 
I would just guess that you had an unbelievable chemistry together. What was that like back then? Since tag teams have sort of fallen by the wayside, what was that like teaming with David? And how did you guys sort of decide how to do things? What was that like? For me, it was great. It was so amazing for me. But for David, it was a nightmare. (laughs) when When I met Dave, he had already been in the business since he was 16, so he had about three years in the business. And um, I was very green. I just had started when I met Dave. And uh, we was wrestling for a guy named Larry Santana. And um, about this time, David had another partner, a guy named Hallie Gibson, and they had broken them up. And Larry wanted to put me and Dave together and call us the party boys. And, uh, of course, I'm 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 green. I mean, I, I've, I've been taught how to do everything, but I didn't know when to do it or, you know, how to do it. And I was just, you know, I was just horrible. And uh, so they stuck me with Dave. And, of course, he was tired of babysitting guys because I guess the guys before me was kind of the same, uh, in the same shape when he got them. They was green and needed polishing and, and um, needed to finish learning how to work. And he got stuck with uh, their responsibility at of taking us under under his wing and doing that with us. And uh, yeah. so I remember when it first came about, David was very unhappy and he did a lot of complaining and a lot of moaning. And, uh, but uh, thank goodness Larry didn't give in to him. And, uh, we, we stayed stuck together. And um, from that, when we would do matches, I would just mimic everything David did. I figured I knew that he was good. I knew that as long as I just copied whatever he was doing, I couldn't go wrong. And I was right. It worked. And while doing that, I learned how to work. I mean, Mike Golden did an awesome job. I tell people that him training me was the best money that I ever invested. And I'll say that till I die. And, um, but until you actually get in the ring and you start having matches, you you know, you um, – you can't really put all the stuff that you learned and trained into use, and you can't really get polished until you step into the ring and in front of a, a real crowd and learn how to work. And, uh, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that with Dave. And that, uh, we tagged for about six years, and we had some of the best times. He's, he's to this day one of my best friends, and uh, I'll always be grateful to him. Excellent. What, uh, what uh, promotions did you and Dave work for back then? Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the company that was, um, that we started off in for, um, Larry Santana. I can't remember if it was mountain championship wrestling or what it was called. Uh, I think it was the mountain wrestling federation. I'm not sure, but from that we went, um, we went to, um, work for a company, um, for TWA for Doug Watkins that just passed away. God bless them. And, um, and then from there, we was working for Larry Santana again in Clarence Keith. Y'all know Clarence Keith? No. And no, I know. Clarence Keith, well, he's a, he's, a, he's a promoter from way back. But from there, we was doing a show every weekend in Calhoun, Georgia. And, um, and that's where um, I think Danny D. Y'all know Danny D, I'm guessing? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got we got we, we got picked up by him and uh, went to North Georgia wrestling, which was uh, televised, and uh, that's where Glenn Gibbernetti was, and New Jack, and uh, just so many different people. So we got to go there, and that's where we really uh, flourished and got to take off of our careers. Uh, so, uh, since you brought up North Georgia wrestling, that has a soft place in my heart. Did you wrestle at the Alfredo Auction Barn by any chance? Yes, sir. We did. <laughs> we we did so, many many matches, and uh, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Back when me and David was tagging together, we didn't have GPSs, and we didn't even have cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So anytime you went to a new town, you know you you just more or less had to get to the town and then start asking people, "Hey, do you know where they're having a the wrestling at?" Wow. But, uh, and the road trips never was fun until you got lost, and it just became an adventure, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, like I said, you stop and you ask folks, you know, hey, can you tell us where the wrestling is? And there's always somebody that knows where the show's at, and they can uh, point you in the right direction, you know? But we go, we're going through the shopping center parking lot in Alpharetta, and we're looking, you know, we're looking for somebody. 
And I see this family, they're loading their groceries in this car, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, Dave, roll your window down and ask, the, ask these people where the wrestling is. So he does, but it's a, it's a foreign family. They're not, I don't know where they was from, but they wasn't American. They didn't speak English. <laughs> so as they're trying to explain to Dave, I guess, that they don't speak English or whatever they're saying to him, I'm not sure. You know, you can, if you know Davey Dunn at all, you can imagine how that went. But uh, <laughs> and I, I think that was our first time in Alpharetta, and that's the that's the memory from that night that sticks out to me the most. So if that tells you anything, so. uh, Bobby, um, you know, I, I was I was talking to Jeff G. Bailey, and we were, and you know, he and I are always just chopping it up about wrestling. And our our thing lately is to go, what what's different and what effect has that had in wrestling? And something that I pointed out today was um, I think there was this back in the day you would get in a car and there would be an inequality there. You would have somebody who was a veteran and then somebody who was not. And and the the point of the relationship, it was kind of a mentor mentee relationship where Part of it is you're using that time in the car to talk. I mean, obviously you're having fun and you're you're you know surviving on the road and all that good stuff. But it, there's also this idea of taking somebody under your wing um, and and teaching them. And I went nowadays. I don't get the impression that that happens. I think even at the WWE level, you basically ride with who you're comfortable with, but you don't have you know John Cena isn't in the car with who you know some new guy like that that doesn't happen anymore and i think even on the indie level guys are more comfortable sort of hanging with their clique instead of hanging with somebody who knows more than they do and can teach them um is there somebody who you rode with who kind of showed you the ropes and then did you in turn get to be the guy who was the instructor, the kind, the kind of the guy, they would sit under your learning tree. Did you get to have both sides of that experience? Um, I did, you know. Um, they always say the best training you ever get is on the road. And it's usually either driving the car or sitting in the back seat and keeping your mouth shut, listening to the old guys t- tell stories or talk about the business. And uh, for me, when I first started, I got to go to a lot of shows with Mike Old, you know, the guy who trained me, which was priceless. Mm. And uh, Ted Allen and um, used to do a lot of uh, road trips with uh, Tony Zane, which was Mr. Atlanta's, I'm sorry, Todd Zane, which is Tony Zane's brother, which would be Mr. Atlanta at um, War Daddy. I don't know if y'all remember War Daddy, but he was an old school guy. And uh, him and Todd would travel together. And um, a lot of times I'd get to go with them. And um, you can't. Uh, you can't put a price on, on memories like that. Not 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 to mention the stuff that you learn, but um, just the memories, you know. And it's uh, just priceless. And I did, um, you know, as years went on, I was fortunate enough to um, to be able to uh, have younger guys ride the shows with me. And uh, I'm I'm hoping I don't know, but I hope that I was at some level able to pass on the same experience and the same knowledge that the guys that I got to ride with were able to do with me. And, uh, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't know how much that goes on today. I don't, I don't think it goes on a lot from what I see. And I think it's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, what are your thoughts about, um, Ted Allen? Ted Allen. Um, wow. I sure do miss Ted. Um, Ted would have been the guy who trained me. Um, I grew up watching wrestling at Dillard's Music Park in Rome from the time I was 13 until I was 18 from the point where I started training. And um, I had every intentions on Ted being the guy that trained me. And I think the only thing that kept kept that from happening was um, the people that ran Dillard's was uh, real close to Mike. And um, they kind of led me more toward him, which I don't regret that. Again, I mean, Mike Golden, I couldn't have had anybody else, you know, anybody better to train me. But um, Ted always liked me. He always um, used me on stuff. He uh, he carried me, you know, he booked me on shows that uh, he didn't have to. And um, I love Ted. I miss Ted. And um, mm-hmm. 
and as you can tell from the guys that's been trained by Ted, it's just Absolutely. amazing the talent, amazing the the things that he was able to to teach them and um, and to tweak them and form them into the people that they are, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, funny story. I'll tell you a funny story about uh, one of my members with Ted Allen. You know, Ted Allen ran shows. And when I first started, after I first met Ted, he was he was doing he had he had a couple of sold shows down at a car lot in Dublin, Georgia, and um, he booked me on them. And I rode down with Lee Thomas. I don't know if y'all know Lee. I rode down with Lee, and I actually wrestled Lee the first night that we was there. It was a two day show. But Ted had this ring that was built completely out of wood, and it and it wasn't <laughs> built very well. And Ted, for some reason, wasn't he wasn't there the first day. He had sent word to all the boys to not take any big bumps in the ring because it was made out of wood and it wouldn't hold us. And again, I, again, I'm green and I'm excited because I'm on the road with all these guys <laughs> and I'm just so it, you know, I'm living the dream, you know. And uh, Lee Thomas is laying on the mat and I, I go up to the top, and I, you know, I tell him to move and I come off the top with this big elbow and he moves. And when I hit, I just sink into the mat. And, I, and, I, and it probably wasn't this bad, but I've always over-exaggerated it and said, all you can see was like my legs and my arms hanging out, kicking. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm, and we're the first match of the night, by the way. I don't, I don't think I've said that. We're the first match of the first show. <laughs> but uh, I've broke the ring. Well, Ted's not here to do anything about this. So the oh. people running the car lot, so, well, you know, it's early. It's, you know, it's the daytime. So they're like, well. There's a um, lumber yard right now, you know, right down the road. We'll, we'll fix this bad boy and finish these shows. So they went and spent money on, uh, you know, some real good lumber. And, and um, the, the fans, I don't know why, but they all waited. And, um, <laughs> they, they fixed this ring. Not only did they fix it, they spent a lot of money to fix it, but then they put all these car jacks up underneath it to keep it from giving. So therefore, you know, the any good bumps for the rest of the rest of the weekend was out of the question. But uh, it, it's just um, when Ted did make it to town, it was uh, real fun for me. He was not he was not happy at all. <laughs> you know, Bobby, this is this is a this is a tough thing to do, but I'm going to put this on you. I want you to give me a list of just five people that you've wrestled with or against, or both, who you consider like, you know, if I have to pick my top five guys, and it doesn't have to be in any particular order, but just five guys whose names come off the top of your head, of guys who have been really influential, or just, you just have really great memories, or really strong bad memories of in wrestling. Five guys. Five guys. Eric Paris, David Young, Terry Lawler. Hmm. Abdul, Abdul the Butcher and Dusty Rhodes. Mm. What, I mean, what, as a guy who started in 91, I mean, I can't even imagine getting to work with Dusty Rhodes like that. What, I mean, how did your relationship start with him and how did it change? With Dusty, um, I can't remember the year exactly. I want to say it was like 2000 or 2001. WCW had been bought out by Vince, and Dusty had started his own company, which was, you know, Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knew my him and Mike knew each other, Mike Golden, and um, he put Mike in charge of booking some of the talent. And of course, I, I got to go and um, I worked Mike that night and in front of it was in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't remember the venue, but Birmingham, Alabama, in front of about twenty people for Dusty's very first show. Mm. At, um, which of course I'm working with Mike, so we keep it, you know, very old school. Uh, he calls everything we very old school. But Dusty liked that, and he liked me, and um, he wanted to use me on other stuff, and um, which eventually eventually turned into a full time uh, spot where um, I would go down to his office during the week and help work with the guys that he was training. And uh, oh wow! And I was even. Um, Responsible for um, coordinating some of the towns that we did every month, 
and then plus working the shows. So it was amazing. Amazing. Bobby, and, how um, do you, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, how did you wind up getting the uh, shots for uh, the, the TV shots with WCW and WWF? WCW, I was 20 years old. I'd been in the business for two years. Mm. Um, um, David and I had went down a few times to the uh, center stage in Atlanta where they do their TV ta- most of their TV tapings at. And um, trying to introduce myself to Jody Hamilton, and they never would have anything to do with me. And <laughs> he would, he would, ah, Jody, he would, just, he, would, he would just blow us off, you know. <laughs> and um, but it was around the time it was '93, so it was, I guess that was around the time where they had the big controversy with the steroids with Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, but they was looking for enhancement or job guys. I'm, I'm old school with job guys. We weren't enhancement guys back in the day. We were jobbers. But they was looking for job guys that could work, but didn't look all gassed up or anything. They was looking for guys around 200 pounds at least, and that could move and could work and didn't look, look like they was all gassed up. And uh, we used to do a show on Thursday nights in Rome, Georgia, at a bar. And... Um, David Penzer, which was a guy that worked for WCW, he came to the bar with a, a referee from WCW, uh, Pee Wee Anderson. And um, he liked me and David and asked us if we was interested in working for WCW. And, you know, of course, we told him, yeah, we've been trying, but had not had any luck. And uh, he's like, well, okay, good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give you guys a call and we'll, we'll put you to work. So, you know, we thought, great. A little time went by. We needed to hear from him. Finally, we got together and we decided we was going to go back down to center stage again and try it again. <clears throat> but um, before I'd seen David Penzer backstage, I ran into Jody Hamilton again. And Mike Golden had always told me, if you ever go somewhere trying to get booked, just mention my name. Tell him I trained you. <clears throat> and uh, I had worked so many times on so many indie shows. But I seen Jody, and I said, oh, I said, hey, I said, just, you know, by the way, I said, Mike Golden wanted me to tell you, hey, next time I saw you. And he's like, oh, Mike Golden. And he asked me how I knew Mike. And I said, well, he trained me. He's like, really? And he's like, how long have you been working? And, again, I'd only been working for, like, two years, and I, I lied. I know it's not nothing to be proud of. But, <laughs> but hey, I added, I added a couple years to it. And he said, how much do you weigh? I lied again. Again, I'm not proud of that. But I was like, a, I was probably 190 pounds soaking wet. And I said, I'm, oh, I'm 212, because, uh, you know, that was one of the uh, qualifications. You had to be at least 200 pounds. So, um, but anyway, we ended up working that night. Uh, David didn't get there in time. He he worked the next time, because shortly after I had that conversation with Jody, and he decided to let me work, um, I ran into David Penzer backstage, and by then David was there. And um, he took us back to Jody again and said, hey, these are the guys I was telling you about, blah, 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 and all that stuff. So David worked on the next TV. But um, that's how that came about. But I didn't think it was going to happen because I, I had shaved and I didn't have a mustache or goatee or anything. And when I, I got still to this day, I'm 43, <laughs> and I've still got a baby, I've still got a baby face. And um, Bill Dundee was one of the agents, and he come back, and he's like um, – he sees me lacing my boots up, and he looks down at me, and he says, you're working, kid? <laughs> I look up, and I'm, I'm like, um, yes, sir. He's like, crap, you look 12. <laughs> I'm, thinking, oh, I'm thinking, oh, man, he's fixing, to, he's fixing to scratch me right off the list, you know. But um, he comes back a few minutes later, and he's like, seriously, you're working. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, and he's like, you know, he's like, Craig, you look 12 years old. He walks, he storms off again. Then he, uh, then he finds out I'm working hill. And then he comes back oh, again. Boy. And he's like, he's like, you're working and you're working hill. And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. That's what they tell me, sir. Yes, sir. And he's like, uh, and he just looks at me and laughs and says Vader and walks off. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, I'm dead. You know, because when you worked at WCW in the early nineties, you didn't care who you worked as long as it wasn't Sid Vicious or Vader, you know? But, right. but, uh, 
But um, but luckily, I got to work with Stars and Stripes, which would have been Patriot and Marcus Bagwell, and that was a really good experience. So uh, everything worked out. And I was there for two years, and I never had to work Vader or Sid, so it was pretty good. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Larry, you wanted to ask about uh, NWA Wildside, yes. Well, yeah, I was saying before we brought you on, Bobby, that that's the first time that I think I saw you wrestle live was when you came into Wildside, and you were doing – at that point, like some a more hardcore style, had you it was that something they wanted from you, or is that something you were already moving more in that direction? Can you talk about that era a little bit? Yes, um, when I came to Wildside, I wanted to be a wrestler, not the hardcore freak character. You know, I think at Wildside I was Twiggy Hayes, and that that extended from the character I was doing. Uh, up in the Carolinas for Steve Martin, which was at Wildside. Am I saying his name right, Steve Martin, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, good, good. I don't want to say his name wrong. I hadn't said it in a long time. But um, I, I worked for him up in the Carolinas, him and Rick Michaels, doing the um, the freak gimmick, the whole bald head with the bullseye and the paint and all that stuff. And um, Steve Martin loved that character. So when I came to um, – to Wildside, he wanted to, to keep doing that. And Bill Barron's wanted me to be a wrestler, not a brawler, hardcore guy. And um, But Steve Martin really loved the character, so he won. And, um, so that's how that came about. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a wrestler at that time. I didn't want to be – I wanted to wear, you know, tights and gear. I didn't want to wear the, the baggy shorts and the combat boots and all the makeup and all that stuff and do all the hardcore stuff, but – that's what Steve Martin wanted, so that's what we did. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Yeah. Um, did you have any other questions for uh, – well, I mean, there's tons of questions I, that we could go into, but is there anything in particular you wanted to ask, Steve? Yeah, one one thing. Like, um, when when you look around, I mean, David Young, he's, he's done a thing here and there. Um, Berg – I'm fascinated with Iceberg, how he's he's been around and now he he still gets like prominent spots on the card and he's the nicest dude. Like a a guy like Iceberg, did did you ever imagine that you would wind up where you were and a guy like Iceberg would wind up doing what he's doing? Um, what do you what do you attribute cuz both of you guys I think share a lot of similarities. You're very kind of savvy about the business um you're you're legit tough guys that don't feel the need to portray that like in your regular dealings with people is that something that just sort of came about with age were you sort of like a hot-headed younger guy who sort of mellowed out or has (laughs) has your temperament always kind of been the same um I would like to think that it's been the same, but I would say probably not. Um, <laughs> when uh, I'm, a, I'm a very hyper, I'm a very hyper dude, and uh, I'm, I'm very passionate, and I get really excited about things that I care about. And wrestling been one of them. Uh, when I first started, um, you know, let me say this first: uh, Mike Gold, when he trained me, that was part of the training was, um, you know, how to conduct yourself in the dressing room. When you're a rookie, you know, you find a seat in the corner and you sit down, you shut up, you don't say nothing unless you're spoke to, and it better be yes or no, sir. And when you're having a match with somebody, you know, uh, what do you want to do? Well, whatever you tell me to, sir. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the last thing you want to do is try to tell somebody what you want to do when you don't got no business doing that because you don't know what you want to be doing, you know. But um, I I think when I was uh, – I was way more excited when I was younger. I'll say that. Um, I didn't think I was better than anybody, but I was just real happy to be doing what I wanted to do since I was nine years old. Uh, I think that may have been perceived in a wrong way by some of the older guys at one point. I don't think that lasted too long, but at one point, I think so. But um, but I've definitely mellowed out a lot over the uh, 25 years, yeah. <laughs> Bobby, when you go to shows now, and I won't, you know, pick any particular ones, but what what kind of thoughts run through your mind when you look at what it, wrestling is now and what it was when you 
came in, and wh- what do you think about when you see the, what wrestling has become these days? Well, as far as in the ring, um, everything's a lot faster paced now. Everything's uh, choreographed in the back before the match even starts, and um, I just I don't you can't do that, and. How do you know what the people wants till you get in the ring? You know what I mean? That's the way I was trained. When I was working for Dusty, I worked with a lot of guys that was from WCW, and they the only way they knew how to work was to choreograph their matches. And they, you know, I would be asked, "Well, what do you want to do tonight?" And I'd always say, "My number one thing to say would always be, I don't know yet. I'm not out there. I don't know what they want yet." Yeah. And. Um, I think choreographing is great. I mean, especially if you want to do some really cool stuff, you've got to, you know, it's kind of hard to sit down in the middle of the ring and have a conversation about what you want to do, you know, especially if it's real real complicated or detailed. But at the same time, until you get out there and you see what kind of mood the crowd's in, and um, it's just a lot faster pace. I don't think the, 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 the boys works the people the way that they used to and sometimes the way that they need to. And um, yeah, if, yeah. Um, I, I guess if um, yeah, Bobby, I, I know you've been a, a part of a couple of shows recently, uh, fundraiser shows and the like. Um, wh- what do you have? What do you got coming up? What do you got coming up soon? Uh, this weekend, this Saturday, I'm uh, I'm in Dalton, Georgia, at the Rex Rec Department. Um, what do they call uh, they call that Dalton Championship Wrestling now? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, working with CC Devlin's um, kid, Matt Matt Devlin. And, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Then um, after that, I'll be in Rome for Thanksgiving night for the um, Thanksgiving Thunder, the um, North Georgia reunion type show. Cool. Which will be um, Phil Hefner and Danny Dees and. A lot of the guys from North Georgia back in the day, which will be amazing. Be like a, um, be like a reunion, you know. Absolutely. Well, Larry, Andy do you have Dees a last question? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I recently um, just saw your match at UIW with uh, the the dog collar match you did with Iceberg, and I was just thinking about what you were saying about you don't know what you're going to do until you get out there in front of the people. Uh, did, you, did you guys just basically play that by ear that night when you went out there? Every time we get in the ring, we play it by ear. We don't call anything. Um, uh, you know, uh, Osbird's very, you know, he's, he's old school. He's brought up the way that I was. and uh, He's been around for a long time. It does, especially when you're doing matches like that. I mean, why, why call anything? We've done them, we've done them so much. We know each other so well. Why, why try to sit in the back and come up with a lot of things? When, when once we get out there, we know what we're doing. You know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, Bobby, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we would love to have you on again uh, anytime you want to do it. Is there uh, any well, any last things you want to say? Oh yeah! Thank y'all so much for. Uh, Thank you all so much for having this old dude on your show. You know, it really means a lot. I appreciate it. And, um, um, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you all. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take care, too. See you all down the road. Absolutely. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, Larry, there's, uh, there's a couple like overused phrases like epic and legend and things like that. I I think it's safe to say guys like guys like him uh, are kind of these treasures of Georgia wrestling, and uh, you know they'll just wrestling will be worse off without these guys. And man, I, I, it just breaks my heart to think that there aren't. That he's not riding around with some guy that could absorb so much, that could learn so much, that the emphasis is on you're there's like a a new school like 
like pro wrestling gorilla esque guy. You travel with other guys that are just like you. Yeah, you can bounce stuff off of each other, but man, there's just like you're just missing out. You know, you're just missing out. And um, I hope, you know, when he does a show like UIW, you have younger guys there, you know, AWE guys, for example, guys like guys like um, Adrian Armour and whatnot, who could really stand to sit there and and uh, talk to Bobby Hayes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that UIW show that I was mentioning out at the Callaway um you know, their livestock pavilion. And at least when I went back, um, you know, Bobby was sitting with Berg and the, the younger guys were sitting somewhere else. And, and maybe that, you know, maybe that mixed and matched over the course of the evening, but I couldn't agree more. You know, if you got a guy like Bobby at the show, take, you know, take advantage of it to, to pick this guy's brain. It's such a, it's such a great time in Georgia indie wrestling in that, um, you know, it's certainly not like this at every promotion, but for the most part, the kind of there's the grownups run the show and, and the really good shows have a nice mix of guys that have like been around and guys that are looking to expand their horizons. I'm thinking like a slim J um, Berg Berg is around. You want to book Berg? You can, you can book Berg and you know, Jeff G like uh, all these guys are around mixing with the, the younger guys, the newer guys. And, you know, like the WWA four guys that are, kind of, that are getting out there and getting around, what they need to do is they need to sit their ass in a car with someone who knows what they're doing, who can, who can sort of temper them like steel and a sword, who can sharpen their, their great physicality and teach them how to get the maximum result out of what they're doing. So instead of wrestling for the boys, they wrestle to impress the fans and to help the show instead of just help themselves in their own match. And years and years and matches and matches. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you can talk about like the kind of bloodbaths that Bobby Hayes was in, but that's not everything. That's just a part of what he did. But he's just one of these guys that it's, I mean, guys love to say been there, done that. He's one of the few guys that can actually say that and mean it with everything, you know, he's done it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was real. Real treat. I think uh, I'd love to hear more from him. I imagine there's a, there's a there's a ton more he could tell us. Yeah, got him, got him going. <laughs> well, um, um, Larry, where are you where are you going to be this weekend? By the way, probably why we wrestle. I think this weekend, and probably PCW the following weekend, and then I'm going to unfortunately miss the. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend here in Atlanta because I'm going to be up in Chicago. I may get to go see AAW that weekend, but we'll be back on the air before we get we get that far. So I think that's that's kind of the tentative plan for the next um, couple weeks for me. Yeah, how about you? Um, I am. Oh God, this weekend. Let me see. They had to move a bunch of things because of Hurricane Matthew a few weeks ago. So they're having Pride. They're having like Pride Parade. I'm going to be at that. And then I'm going to be at a, um, some, a charity event called Matthew's Hope on Saturday night covering that event. Now, my weekends now have become covering events in and around Orlando. So it's a ton of fun. Last weekend, I was at the Power Ranger convention and the like sort of and 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 then the and the premier comedy club because kevin mcdonald was doing a thing from kids in the hall so i'm getting a chance to sort of get up and about um here's something interesting though this is a little i'm just going to drop this sort of ambiguous note so tna apparently dixie carter had a phone meeting with the talent and obviously corgan's gone and um, a, a number of their writers left um, because of the Corrigan thing. And so I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Big John's still there, and they still have um, Madison Rain uh, and, and Matt Conway, but they're looking for other people to join. So that's something else I'll be doing this weekend, having a conversation. So Very who knows? Interesting. 
Very interesting indeed. So that's uh, that's that's my life in a nutshell. It's just madness cuckoo. So <laughs> anyway, you know we've we've kind of come up right on it. Uh, Bobby Hayes is a great guest. Um, next week will be three the hard way with Matt Hankins and uh, Big Wood, and we'll be back the week after that to talk about all the goings on in wrestling. Um, I'm gonna, Larry, I'm going to send you something if it's okay. Somebody sent me sort of an excerpt from the observer about the WWE and what's going on with them. Like actually like analyzing and breaking down what the numbers mean as far as subscribers, foreign versus domestic, what this probably means going forward and all that. Stuff. Oh yeah. Send you all that info. It's so great how they break it down so you can understand it and know what, what are significant numbers and which are not. And uh, that's Ooh. something we can definitely talk about in two weeks. Yeah. I was actually doing a little studying on that before we came on tonight, but you know, time, time did not allow. So let's come back around to that in two, two weeks. And also, I don't know if it'll be two weeks from tonight or a little later down the road. I can say we're going to have Todd Sexton, back on uh the show um now that he's uh booking southern fried and hear what's what's up with him these days and uh so that's that's an upcoming interview either two weeks from tonight or maybe a little further down the road absolutely and then you know before you know it we're going to be the thick in the thick of the um georgia wrestling history award so man time keeps on moving but uh anyway um larry you have a wonderful rest of the week and weekend And uh, everybody else, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in two weeks for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.